global vaccine sharing program for poorer countries. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Andrew Work, and you are listening to Back Chat on RTHK Radio 3. Today is Friday, the 20th of May. Today, we turn the microscope on civil servant pay rises. The latest pay trend survey was released on Wednesday, and civil servants are on track to receive a pay rise of up to 7.26% after a two-year salary freeze because of the coronavirus pandemic. The survey recommended salary increases of 2.2%. for junior civil servants, 4.5% for middle-ranking workers, and 7.26% for senior staff. The Chinese Civil Servants Association said the survey results aren't very useful as a reference, saying the economy has been distorted by the pandemic, while another civil service union said the results are surprising because they had actually expected a wage deduction. We want your questions and we want your opinions. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call on 2338-8266. And we got a couple of great guests to get into this topic today, starting with Lee Coyne, who is the Regional Director for Asia with ECA International. Good morning, Lee. How are you? Uh, we're doing okay today. We're doing okay. We're also speaking to Randy Chu, who is the Professor Emeritus with the Department of Management at Hong Kong Baptist University School of Business and something of a human resources expert. Good morning, Randy Chu. Uh, good morning, Andrew. Good morning, Lee. Thank you for having me. Great. So I, I think for a lot of people, they're maybe not quite clear on what, what, this, uh, what this whole process is or how it works. We're talking about civil servants and how their salaries, you know, which are ultimately paid by the Hong Kong taxpayer, how those salaries are determined. Um, Randy, can you just give us a brief outline of how this process actually works? Well, sure, Andrew. Actually, there are uh, two phases or uh, two different things. Number one is the salary structure. So um, it's a big job to understand all the jobs uh, in, in the civil service from top to bottom so that they will be able to evaluate. Uh, we call it job analysis to evaluate the contents of the job and then try to match it to the market value, which put a dollar signs on it. So that that is the salary structure. So they have a very good idea about, you know, the pay pay range or what we call the band, the banding, uh, in different levels, different contents of job and and of course now we have the the uh, junior one, the middle level and then the top one. And that is a service structure. Now every, uh, in order to update this service structure the SAR government does the pay level survey once every six years because it is a lot more effort, a much bigger exercise. And in the pay level survey, they will try to, again, do job analysis uh, by sampling and try to uh, match with the, the up-to-date, uh, similar or uh, relevant jobs content in terms of market pay and all that. Now, every year, therefore, they do a pay trend survey. The pay trend survey, they do not necessarily try to analyze the content of given job or, or many jobs and try to match with that of the, in the market with the price tag. They just look at how many percent of increase, salary increase in the market or, or the, the forecast, and then they will, in terms of junior, middle level, senior level, and then they just Right. Okay. So this. So they. So at the heart of it is this survey where they go out and they survey literally how many. Like how many people are in the survey that they use to determine 
what they okay. think market rates again, are. Again, two different kinds of surveys. Um, uh, there are two major um, NGO or non, um, non-business-like survey, meaning a voluntary survey mm-hmm. uh, by professional body and local university. And they, one is a pay-level survey, and that is uh, they would invite many, many companies, whoever want to join and join. And so the number of participating companies uh, varies each year. Uh, mm. For the pay level, for the patron survey, and a professional body, HKHRM uh, in Hong Kong, they will contact the same company every year so that they will be able to draw comparison in the trend. Now, that's what the Hong Kong SAL government does every year. So they invite about 100 to 120 same company, uh, which, um, like, uh, which is affiliated with a different, uh, a wide range of industries in Hong Kong, mm-hmm. from major homes to SME. And they, they, because of that, they will be able to trace the changing of the data in each of the companies so they can draw a trend. So this issue, according to news, they were able to find the same 100, 111 companies. I think with a total of 130,000 employees uh, which is really not a lot. Right. And I don't understand that if they look for, usually they look for big utilities, big hall. So uh, I might have, I might have mis- heard from the news, but I heard there was 130,000, so which is not a lot. Uh, so I guess mm. they did not match with the, well, the multinational in Hong Kong are not that many people. Anyway, uh, I haven't read the, the detail of the report, so I don't know. Okay. Um, uh, Lee Coyne, you're with ECA International, and, and my understanding is that this is what you do. You help determine where the market is on salaries. Is that correct? Uh, we do. So um, while this is not our core focus, our main focus is when it comes to employee mobility. Um, but we do nonetheless undertake a salary trend survey each year. Um, and this obviously does look at salary uh, awards offered to local nationals. Uh, we cover about 60 countries as part of our research, um, and Hong Kong is one of the locations which we, which we look at. Um, we haven't yet done a survey for this year. Mm-hmm. Um, our survey period is normally around August to September of each year. Um, but our last two years, um, did show that in spite of the fact that the Hong Kong government civil servants, um, they actually received a pay freeze in both years. Um, on the whole, employers both in 2020 and 2021 um, nonetheless increased their salaries for most of their employees during that period of time. Mm. So the assumption was, okay, COVID's on. It's it's a disaster out there. Pay freeze because nobody's getting a raise. But you're telling us that in fact people were getting raises. Uh, on the whole, yes, there, there were a relatively large um, number of organisations who did freeze um, salaries, in tw- particularly in 2020. So our research in 2020 showed that 40 percent of organizations froze salaries um, in Hong Kong in 2020. But still, nonetheless, that means that 60 percent were still offering pay increases. Um, and then in 2021, um, the number of organizations um, offering a pay freeze or um, requiring their employees to, make a, uh, to take a pay freeze, that reduced down to 18%. 
which obviously indicated that four-fifths of companies actually increased salaries of their workers. Now, obviously, in both years, um, for those employees who were fortunate enough to receive a pay increase, um, their salary increases were generally below what they were pre-pandemic. But nonetheless, it does show that most employees in Hong Kong, um, based on our survey, um, did receive a salary increase in both years, um, unlike um, civil servants. Right. So, I mean, so we have this pay trend survey and, and for both of you, does this suggest that there's something wrong with the survey itself? It seems like in the past there was a little bit of grumbling, but people were, you know, the, the civil servants and their, their representatives were generally OK with it. Uh, but is it saying that maybe maybe that that tool has used its uh, served its useful life and maybe it doesn't really apply very well anymore? Is that possible? Lee? Uh- Please, Randy, you go ahead. Okay. All right, Lee, it's back um, on you. What do you What do you think? You know, does does the government survey match up to the work you do? <laughs> well, I mean, what is quite interesting is the fact that um, when it comes to um, organisations' ability um, to offer pay increases, quite often it's influenced by multiple factors. And number one, it's influenced by um, the need to attract staff. Number two, it's uh, um, also by the need to retain your existing staff to stop them from moving on to other organisations. But also, another consideration is affordability and other optics. Mm -hmm. So, from the government's perspective, um, obviously over the course of the last couple of years, it would have been, um, from an optics perspective, it would have been very difficult for for the government to say, well, we're increasing the salaries of our uh, of our staff, even though taxes perhaps were, were falling, um, mm. because obviously higher rates on employment, therefore you're less likely to get as much income tax um, in 2020 and 2021 in comparison to previous years. Mm. So therefore, I think what we're seeing now at the moment in terms of the increase is really a makeup for the last two years of really frozen salaries. Now that the government sees that perhaps its revenues are likely to be better in the coming years. Um, and the need to obviously attract and retain staff is actually able to um, to obviously offer salary increases. And this is a way in which um, the government's trying to make up for the two years of lost salary. Right, or the two years where they, where they didn't have a salary increase and maybe weren't keeping yeah. up with either inflation or the market. Um, yes. Yeah. Randy, too, is there a problem with the government losing their best and brightest when they are not keeping up with pay raises? I mean, I guess the theory is that the government has to match what is in the market, but people don't really flow back and forth between the government work and private sector, do they? No, that's only a one one way out. It's not going to be a, a, a rolling, a revolving door. Um, right. Now, I, I think first, first thing first, talking about the uh, survey mechanism, the survey methodology. Um, I, I think um, that's a, a technical issue to it. While um, I, I, you know, all these years, I know that the the committee is true and loyal to the data. Uh, now the issue is how genuine the data is this year is received. As we pointed out, there was a, a big hiccup, hiccup in in 2020 and 2021 in the market, and that kind of blow people's away. And I, uh, we do have. Uh, the survey, uh, most of the survey 
do come out in every October every year. Mm-hmm. So uh, obviously the uh, 2020 uh, survey and 2021 survey are not that pretty at all. So yeah. that means uh, the the salary level, uh, the CMD practice back in 2019 and 2020s uh, is not going to be uh, very good to the people. Uh, They don't have any part of their salary that's tied to their performance. It's just you, no, get, you get the increase don't. or you don't. There's no bonuses. Yeah. There's no you're good right. or you're so-so. So you get, that's you know. right. Wow. But, but not in the private sector. The last three years, come on. Okay? Yeah. Uh, last private sector, you work but they, uh, yeah, head off in order to, to you know, just to maintain the job, to keep the jobs, uh, honestly speaking. Mm. It's really bad. And now when you're talking about having the data set from uh, 111 countries, uh, 111 companies, but uh, look, many, many companies, and 90% are SMEs in Hong Kong, they will not participate in these kind of companies, and they are really, really hanging their head above the water, and yeah. and, and so you really can't uh, using this for this year, okay, for this year, you really can't use this uh, result, no matter how how truthful the, the committee to the data yeah. uh, uh, represent the, what's happening in, in, in the market, okay? Right, I mean, the, so, the, gov- the government's trying to reproduce what is happening in the market to guide their thinking, but you're saying, you know, people shouldn't try to go the other way. Oh, look, the civil servants are getting a 7% pay raise, therefore my staff in my restaurant or in my import-export company should get the same pay raise. Like, the, but think- the thinking shouldn't go both ways. Is that what you're but, saying? Uh, the, the, well, unfortunately, yeah, uh, both, yeah. uh, when they want equality, they want equality. When they want equity, they want equity, okay? And the, another thing is, um, uh, 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 there is a ripple effect, you like it or not, and we have 170,000, uh, yeah. uh, even 180,000 civil servants. And don't forget, when this really go ahead uh, and, and to this percentage, and other 180,000, 170,000, 180,000 uh, employees in NGO, mm-hmm. uh, regulate, regulatory bodies, uh, and, and uh, not uh, semi-government uh, institutions, right? right? Like yeah. EOC, Privacy Data, ICAC, and, and all that, they all will get the same rate. Yeah, um, I think, So, so yeah. we are talking about, you know, 300,000 people, yeah, which I mean, is one per, 10, per, 10% of the Hong Kong workforce. 
Mm, and I think a lot of people in Hong Kong don't know that a, a lot of the NGOs in Hong Kong are almost completely funded by government. They have to submit their budgets to the government every year to get their funding, and so they justify the pay increases of their staff they follow the based on the civil service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is this is another issue. So, so there is a ripple effect. Uh, obviously, people saying that the, the public sector is going to be, in terms of talent, trying to match with the government. That's number one. Uh, uh, public sector never match with the government because mm-hmm. they they have their own talent management philosophy and they know exactly how much uh, that people worth. Okay, uh, in terms of contribution to the business objectives. So. Um, actually, the very top people in the public sector uh, receive a lot higher pay, especially when the annual bonus are delivered. So, so that that uh, uh, unlikely uh, people from the public sector, especially nowadays, yeah. uh, would choose to go into uh, the, the civil servant, which is just the other way around, where we, we do see talent experience that uh, top civil servants are leaving the Reasons. Are they leaving Hong Kong, or are they are they just leaving the, pro, the the working for the government, or are they leaving Hong Kong altogether? I mean, front page of the SCMP today is about this civil servant pay issue, but you know, big full page story about brain drain from Hong Kong. Is is the government having a hard time keeping people, not because they're losing them to the private sector, but because uh, they're uh, losing they them be, from Hong uh, Kong? Uh, totally different uh, uh, topic. Uh, um, all along, I think in back in twenty. People are already talking about blood transfusion, transfer, and, and, uh, and bringing in Hong Kong and uh, exodus, you know, using vocabularies like that, which I do not agree. But I think by now, 2022, I guess, yes, we do see the green drain, yeah. uh, which is less impactful as, uh, than the word exodus, thing like that. Now, gotcha. if you really look at uh, last, last August, I already uh, gave an interview I read. At that time, we didn't have that much statistics available, so I looked at the uh, uh, MPF uh, and and the withdrawal of the MPF, the cancellation of MPF, um, the school children number from primary to secondary, and also looking at group um, uh, uh, no, um, I mean the Citibank has has a uh, I forgot which database who mm-hmm. has a very good story about um, most of the real estate um, uh, sold in, in Hong Kong, more or less in the middle level um, bracket. Right. That meaning telling me that most of the people leaving are the, the, the middle age experienced, energetic experienced people hmm. who are not really, really settled down in terms of you know, having hundred million dollars in the account, and that they still can work, they still can uh, uh, have a second spring to their career. And these are the people who are leaving Hong Kong. Now, mm-hmm. this is the second pipeline of talents of Hong Kong. Right. That is the most uh, damaging uh, 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 trend, and and exactly we are seeing that. And I think we are all see we we also see the same trend in the. Uh, Servants that whether they're living Hong Kong, we have no idea. Right. But, uh, yeah. When you talk about the bridging issue, yeah, we are um, in 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 we begin to see a, 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 a very clear trend problems. And mind you, uh, in the past five years, uh, Hong Kong has been losing the attractiveness to attract international talents. 
and if you look at some of the index, Hong Kong's falling way behind, like yeah. um, favorable city, comfort life, um, uh, happiness index, uh, mm. except uh, uh, Gini index, we go way up to the top of, of, of the list. And so meaning Hong Kong is uh, not as attractive as other major cities in, in Asia, in the East, uh, in terms of... Uh, Attracting talents coming and settling down. Coming, in coming Hong to Hong Kong. Kong, yeah, Hong Kong may be off its peak there. Uh, Lee Coyne, is, is that something you're seeing reflected in your business? Because that's, that's what you look at, right? Yes, and very much so. So um, many of the things that Randy has mentioned, um, we're also seeing as well. Um, so we also do a study of locations and their ability to um, attract. Um, people or basically their their quality of living mm -hmm. and consistently over the course of the past few years now Hong Kong has continued to slip down those rankings um, and while you could argue that rankings are just rankings and it, it's very hard to see what happens once the rubber hits the road right. um, but we are actually seeing more and more people either A, leaving Hong Kong which is, which is normal. You do get natural churn from time to time. Sure. Um, but what we're seeing is a higher than normal rate of departure. Um, does does, that, does that skew salaries up for the people that don't leave? If the talent pool gets smaller and there's the same number of jobs, is, are, should we expect surveys like this to show a further increase, especially at the higher levels? I mean, it does depend because in some cases, when the talent is leaving, they're actually taking the roles with them as well. Sure. Um, so perhaps what, what we're seeing is, for example, people being relocated from Hong Kong, perhaps um, to Singapore. And that's the most classic example that we see. But when they're leaving and going to Singapore, um, they're actually still, in many cases, performing the same job mm. that they were performing in Hong Kong, but they're doing it in Singapore. And paying taxes so, there. <laughs> exactly. And when they're, when they're leaving, they're not necessarily giving the opportunity to somebody else within Hong Kong to take on their role right. because that role departs with them. Mm, okay, so it can cut both ways. I've got a couple of emails here. Uh, coming back to the question of uh, how these surveys are put together, uh, Colin says... Right on Backchat, the survey people are polite but sleazy with skewed results to please their clients. Um, uh, I guess, Lee, what do, you, what do you think of the government survey trend? Does it match up to the work that you guys do? I mean, we've got, so we've got Lee Kuai Yin, uh, the president of the Hong Kong Chinese Civil Servants Association, saying that the whole survey is flawed, boycotted the meetings last year and this year for, for negotiations, um, and saying that instead of the survey, the the pay raise should be linked to inflation. Does that does that make sense, or is it better market or just a straight number like inflation? I mean, inflation is obviously something that organisations must look at because ultimately, if you want to retain talent, you need to ensure that their purchasing power can keep, keep pace with with prices. Mm -hmm. um, but going back to what was said at the start of the of this of this session with regards to the number of companies participating, the uh, proportion of the workforce that it reflects. Um, now, you could argue that 130,000 employees isn't necessarily a huge benchmark to benchmark against, particularly when the civil service itself is, um, you know, 160,000, and then you've got the NGOs on top of that. Um, 
But if they're comparing against other similar organisations, such as large-scale employers, um, then it may make more. It may make uh, a fair bit of sense. But what we also see is. Um, if, you're, if the government is just looking at comparing like for like on a year-to-year basis, mm-hmm. it's not really taking into consideration um, the impact of new industries, for example. So, for example, um, the growth of uh, fintech that we have here in Hong Kong, for sure. example. And so it's not necessarily taking into consideration new employers and the impact that they have on salaries. So I do think that there is something um, to be said for comparing like for like to maintain consistency, but you do also need to ensure that any comparison that you're undertaking is reflective of the workforce in general. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, I've got a couple of emails that have come in. Uh, David says, uh, why are they getting a pay raise? So they can keep the price of property high. I don't think I'll... We'll delve into the economics of that uh, supposition. But he also says, the pay rise shows the patriots at the top have absolutely no respect for the patriots at the bottom. This is an insult to the majority. If you can't keep the talent on the existing salaries, let them go. Let them leave Hong Kong. They are not a patriotic recruit. Uh, And he wants a better medical system. But I mean, with this recent round of increases, it seems like there are small increases for the lower levels and bigger, much bigger increases up to 7 uh, 7.2% for the higher levels. Um, Randy, does that cause dissension in the ranks if it's seen that the senior civil servants are getting much bigger pay raises than their junior colleagues? Well, there's always been the case. Number one, <clears throat> as I said, um, they're supposed to look at the job contents of each job and the responsibility and scope and all that. And obviously, junior jobs would have much smaller than that of the senior jobs. That, of course, would have a, a totally different price tag. Right. Um, now, obviously, um, it, it has been always the same. Mm. Uh, each year, when after they have done the patron survey, uh, most of the time, I would say most of the time, uh, the top civil servants get higher percentage because the uh, talent hunt and the uh, salary increase or the package increase in the public sector uh, go up uh, uh, much faster in, in the international uh, business um, uh, community. Right. Um, the, the the thing is, um, always, and another problem is, in fact, you will see why we have a seven point something percent for the top uh, civil servant this year. Because mm. uh, when we, uh, it, like he said, he tried to compare uh, apple to apple. So our very senior servants, our all the doctorate degree people, um, the same talent, same capabilities, in terms of the spirit of an institutional organization, they would probably be making, you know, uh, several million dollars, including bonus. So that's the reason why, you know, you can see there's a high percentage. And another problem is the bottom one. Uh, the bottom one uh, uh, actually is a, 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 a the you know, the lower than the middle class. Actually, there's no middle class in Hong Kong anymore. Mm. Uh, hmm. So, so the, the they are they are really having uh, struggles to bring bread and butter on the table. Yeah. And those are the people getting um, thirty thousand of of uh, fifteen to thirty thousand uh, and, and getting a two percent. Now, the problem is is the middle grade. Gotcha. The middle grade actually they're earning a lot higher as compared to their competitors in the private sector mm. because departmental managers and even senior managers do not make that much money mm. uh, when you have to compare to a senior executive officer or 
and AO or AO would be there too great. So we got to so we got to keep an eye on that one. Gotcha, exactly. Randy. Yep. We're, we're running out of time here. I'm just sure, going to but thank you very much for coming on the show today. Uh, big thank you to Lee Coyne, regional director for Asia for ECA International, and Randy Chu, professor emeritus at Baptist University School of Business.